0: Good morning, saints. Last week, we focused our attention on the fact that Jesus came. We paused to marvel and to ponder at the remarkable truth that God is with us. He has not forgotten us. We are not alone. We said that it was good to celebrate the incarnation for the comfort and the joy that it brings us. As good and edifying as that is, we also said that it is also true that we will never comprehend the purpose and the magnitude of the incarnation of Advent if we don't consider... The reason why he came. That he came and why he came are intrinsically tied together. We can put it like this. Why he came, but also why he came. So we're wrapping up our series on the glory of God during this Advent season. So this morning I'd like to examine the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, Advent, in the context specifically of God's glory. What does God's glory have to do with Jesus being among us? What does God's glory have to do with the gospel? So this morning, let's read together 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge Of the glory of God in the face of Christ. When you think and when you consider and ponder baby Jesus, what comes to mind? This time of year when we celebrate the advent or the coming of Christ, what do you think about I sincerely hope that this year and every year moving forward, when you think of Christ being born amongst all the other beautiful truths, that you will immediately think of the glory of God. The glory of God when the angel appeared to the shepherds. And the glory of God when you consider who Jesus is. The wonder and the beauty of the gospel is this. When the Lord Jesus becomes our Savior, our Lord, personally, the glory of God shines in our hearts. The gospel is a work from the inside out as God transforms us to be more and more like Jesus who Jesus is and what he does is so profound. He is more than just a teacher or a rabbi. He is more than merely a prophet or even a special man of God because of who he is. The glory of God shines in our heart. Only, only Jesus can do this. This is worth unpacking. So this morning we will address the question, why did Jesus come? What was the purpose of Jesus coming in the first place? When we celebrate Christmas, When we celebrate the advent, what is it that we are actually celebrating? What was his purpose? What was the end goal? Why would Jesus have to leave heaven to come down to earth? Not too long ago, we spent a few months answering the question, why did Jesus die? What was the purpose of the cross? Our question today is intrinsically tied to that very question. We cannot separate the two questions. Why was Jesus born and why did Jesus die? So this morning I'd like to give you five very specific reasons why Jesus came. And for those of you who know and remember Pastor Steve, he will be very proud of me this morning. They all start with the letter R. So, I've been told somewhere that you're supposed to use... well. So I want to encourage you, as we look at these specific points, to consider using them when talking with your friends or your family or your colleagues. To understand why Jesus came is to understand the gospel. To not understand why Jesus came is to miss the point of the good news of Jesus Christ. Such an enormously significant event, it is, it is important for us to properly understand why he came. The five reasons that we give this morning, some were fulfilled in his first advent, even in his birth. Some will be fully realized when he comes again. Number one, the word rescue. The New Testament says that we have been rescued, that we have been delivered. When you talk about someone being rescued, there is an implicit understanding that we were in danger. That the person being rescued or delivered needed help. If something did not change, they were headed in a bad direction with a bad outcome. This is, of course, exactly, precisely how the New Testament describes each and every one of us. I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, I'm going to read it in the NIV. For he, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I like the NIV's usage of the word rescue. Others, as I said, might say deliver. Same meaning, but it doesn't start with the letter R. So we're going with rescue this morning. Saints, we were in the wrong domain. We were under the rulership and the domain of Satan himself. We were serving him and not God. Jesus came to rescue, to deliver us from the kingdom of darkness, that we might come into the kingdom of light of Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10 when we talk about God rescuing us, there is another word that comes to mind. It's number two, the word redeem. Now let's look at this same passage, but with a different emphasis. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into The kingdom of the Son He loves, Jesus. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the gospel delivers us from the kingdom of darkness and transfers us to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And what that entails... The benefits of that, the complete forgiveness of sins and redemption. Redemption or to redeem is another great Bible theology, gospel centered word that we need to understand to redeem means to purchase out of it was often used in the reference to slavery. Indeed, just as the Passover lamb was offered, as the Lord redeemed his people from the slavery to Egypt, from slavery to the Egyptians in a much grander sense and in no wise, merely a temporal sense, God has redeemed us from the slavery or from the slavery, the marketplace of sin. He has redeemed us. He has purchased us out from the power and from the penalty of our own sin. This is why the advent of Christ, the coming of the promised Messiah is such a big deal. Sin shall not reign over us. It shall not have dominion over us. The scripture says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 Every one of our sins is accounted for. Complete atonement and complete forgiveness. My friends, this is only through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is for this reason that Christ came. We stand in awe of the glory of the Lord that shone round about the shepherds. We recognize that the baby Jesus in that manger in Bethlehem is indeed God in human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. It is why in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, scripture specifically says that God has purchased us with his own blood. This was no small transaction at the cross. The blood that was shed upon the cross was that of the God man, It is only the blood of Jesus that has power to redeem sinners from sin. It is why in the old hymn, the old rugged cross, it is why it is so endearing to so many. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering And shame. Oh and I love that old cross. Where the dearest and best. For a world. Of lost sinners. Was slain. There's beauty to it. Because we know who it was. That was upon that cross. And what he did. For you. And for me. Number three. Resurrect. Resurrect. Now, saints, God has redeemed and he has rescued us. We do not serve a dead savior. We do not point people to the grave of our leader. Far from it. We know that the Lord Jesus was raised on the third day. We know that it was God's plan all along from before the foundation of the world. We know that death had no jurisdiction over him. No power over him. He paid the price on the cross. And on the third day, he rose again. Now let me tell you something. As you sit in awe and wonder at that baby Jesus in the manger, remember that that baby would lay down his life for you. But death could not hold him. His death was not the end of the story, but in many ways, the beginning. He is alive forevermore. He is at the Father's right hand. He ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. We serve a great Savior. We serve a Savior who has no rival. Who has no one telling him what he can or cannot do. He is Lord of all. Friends, the angel's work was not done when they made the announcement to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 turn or scroll to Matthew chapter 28 this familiar passage but the angel said to the woman to the women don't be afraid For I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here for he has risen. Just as he said, come see the place where he lay. Can we just take a moment and acknowledge how amazing the, the job of the angels has been, right? They're announcing that God is now with us. And now they're announcing that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. The angels rejoiced at Jesus' birth. And it says in scripture that they long to look in and understand exactly what God is doing in redemption. But the story of Jesus would unfold all throughout Matthew's gospel. As the apostles in other places as well so faithfully rendered for us, we focus this month on the beginning of the gospel. But it's tied together with the end of his gospel account. To the doubting, to the fearful, The angel says, come, come. Look where he lay. He's not there. He has risen exactly as he said he would do. Remember Jesus' great title. Only for him. The firstborn from the dead. His resurrection guarantees... Our resurrection on that great day should the Lord tarry. Number four, renew. This is a very important word. It can be applied to our very hearts, but also to creation itself. The world needed a complete makeover and we are still longing for the completion of that friends when we lose a loved one we so often consider the promises of God there's a very precious promise in which God promises to wipe away every tear As we enter into eternity, the new heavens and the new earth, fellow saints, there will be no tears that persist. Our full and final healing, no more temptation, no more grief, no more broken dreams, no more heartache. No more insecurity. No more relational conflict. No more relational disasters. And the list goes on. Listen to what God's word says in Revelation chapter 21. Verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they are true. Remember the word behold. It means, Look at this. You won't believe this. you got to pay attention to this. I am making all things new and it is a trustworthy statement that we can trust fully god is making all things new we're in the now but not yet stage we're awaiting the final fulfillment the complete fulfillment of this we miss so deeply those who have gone before us But we do know that those who have died in the Lord are in a better place. By far. We mourn, but not as those without hope. Friends, Jesus came to make all things new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed and all things, behold, all things have become new second corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 creation itself will be renewed or recreated friends this is why jesus came he did not merely come to teach us how to live a better life or how to be more fulfilled surely that was a part of what he taught In the sense of following God more fully. Fifth and final, the word reign. Jesus did not come ultimately to take his place amongst the myriads of leaders in world history. Far from it, he came to be Lord of said leaders. He came to be King of kings and Lord of lords. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2. When we take Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are confessing his deity We are confessing his rulership. Listen to what God's word has to say on this matter. The end of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Talking about the power of God at work in Jesus Christ. Verse 20. That God worked in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him, past tense, at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Saints, this is your Savior. When we sing, let earth receive her king, we do so for a reason. I want you to remember that you serve a mighty savior. Trust him completely. Follow him fully and honor him with all that you've got. Yes, he came as a humble baby. But there is no one anywhere who has a higher name than he has. Finally, let's tie all of this together with a bold statement of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we consider that Christ died for our sins, I want you to see this profound statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse Eight. speaking of the gospel Paul says none of the rulers of this age understood this who Jesus is for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory That is your Savior. That is why we say over and over and over again that Jesus is not merely a good person. Contrary to 1.6 billion Muslims in this world, Jesus is not merely a prophet amongst others. He is the Son of God. It is why we stop and celebrate this time of year that God is with us. Crucifixion was a horrible death. It was designed to humiliate people. We know this is why Jesus came ultimately to die for our sins. There's no pretty way to put it. There's no neat way to talk about the crucifixion, about the Roman cross. Jesus died, nailed to a cruel Roman cross. Coarse wood with splinters all throughout. Covered in his own blood and saliva. But notice what Paul says in this verse. Think of our series on the glory of God. If they would have truly known who they were dealing with they would not have crucified the lord of glory the prince of glory friends this is such a rich and clear bible reference that tells us exactly who jesus christ is he is the lord of glory what a lofty title and they took him for just a regular criminal A spiritual leader who has gone off to the extreme or a rabbi. He says, oh, if they would have known. They would not have done to him what they did. They would have worshipped and served him. But praise God for the Lord's plan. Without the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there would be no redemption of sinners. Saints, in a moment, we're going to transition to communion. Communion is that special opportunity to be reminded deep in your soul that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He has shed His own blood for you. It is a tactile experience in which we feel the bread, we drink the cup, and we're reminded of God's unconditional love for us. My friend, this morning, if you question your soul's worth, if you wonder if you even matter at all, especially to God, I commend this verse that we just read, especially to you. Just as we sat in awe and wonder last week at the glory of God shining round about the shepherds this morning, we remember how that story progressed and how that story ended. There is your Savior, the one who came to rescue you, and he is the Lord of glory. He is the Prince of glory, and he has willingly laid down his life for you, he has laid down his life to rescue you, to redeem you, and a bonus, to reconcile you. Remember, this is not how the story ends at the cross. He indeed is resurrected, he reigns, and we will see the fullness of his reign when he returns and renews all things. Fellow saints, Let us not be sloth in our service towards the Lord. Let us seek to encourage and to lift one another up. Let us endeavor to support and help one another. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your care for us. We know it is true every single day of the year. But it's good because we need to be reminded in a special way that you are with us. Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for your gracious promises. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We thank you for that beautiful and profound gospel promise in Romans 8 that you will through your resolve and your faithfulness you will transform us. You will conform us fully and finally and forever to the image of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you sent your Son. We thank you for his full and complete obedience in all points. We thank you that he was obedient even to death, to death on a cross, to redeem us, to rescue us, To reconcile us to you. Thank you for the rich meaning that we as believers in Jesus Christ cherish during Advent season. Thank you for the rest of the story. Thank you for the purpose of the Advent. That our sins, not in part but in full, Have been nailed to the cross and we bear them no more. Thank you for the brotherhood and the sisterhood that we have in Christ. Here, Nigeria, Japan, Kazakhstan, Brazil, everywhere. Your people who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ have had their sins forgiven who cherish the hope of eternal life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.